Well, All Souls Day is this Saturday, and so for our catechetical homily this month, we wanted to talk about purgatory. Uh, So here's the scenario with which we're all familiar, of course. Uncle Harry has died. So sad because everybody loved Uncle Harry. You know, he was like the favorite uncle, the life of the party, you know, always there to extend a hand to everyone in need. And so as we are uh, mourning him and celebrating his life, we're pretty sure that he's not going to hell. Because, you know, purgatory is not for people who die in uh, unrepented mortal sin, right? If you have mortal sin on your soul, uh, you're not going to purgatory, you're going to hell. Uh, So we don't know, we don't think Uncle Harry is probably going to hell. But here's the problem. You know, Uncle Harry was a smoker. Not like he smoked occasionally, like he smoked a pack a day. And he was a little bit overweight because he liked to overindulge in the snacks and the, and the candy. Sometimes he'd get a little bit tipsy at family parties from drinking too much beer. And of course, because he was such a great storyteller, he was always keeping you up on the family gossip. And so uh, what are we going to, if we think that when we get to heaven, I mean, if we get to heaven, hopefully, that we will find Uncle Harry up there smoking a cigarette, still overweight, ready to tell you all the gossip of heaven, We've got the wrong idea of heaven, right? That is not how heaven is. Heaven, as the Bible very clearly tells us, is a place into which no impurity or sin can enter. In heaven, we will be like God. And as Jesus very clearly says, we must be perfect as our heavenly Father is perfect. So the question becomes, how do people get from where we knew them when we last saw them in this life to the perfect version of themselves in heaven? And the answer to that question is purgatory. Purgatory is that state, it's really less of a place and more of a state, uh, of purgation, of purification, in which we are cleansed of venial sins, detached from our uh, worldly connections, where our, uh, our vices and bad habits are uh, healed and, and reformed in our character. So what we want, we want to answer three questions about purgatory. First of all, why do we believe this, that this is a reality? Second, what is it like in purgatory for the souls? And third, how should uh, our belief in purgatory affect our daily life? So first of all, why do we believe this? Well, uh, there are three reasons. First of all, the universal practice of praying for the dead. In basically every culture throughout time and space, uh, all peoples have had the practice of praying for the dead. Uh, Even in the Jewish faith, long before Christianity came along, this practice exists. The most famous passage that reflects this in the Bible is from 2 Maccabees. In 2 Maccabees, uh, there's some soldiers that go out to fight a battle, and they they put on these, like, lucky charms, these amulets. So that's, like, idolatrous and superstitious, and they all get killed in the battle. So we hear about the commander of the army. It says... Judas Maccabeus then took up a collection among all his soldiers, amounting to 2,000 silver drachmas, which he sent to Jerusalem to provide for an expiatory sacrifice, expiatory of their sins, in other words. In doing this, he acted in a very excellent and noble way, inasmuch as he had the resurrection in mind. 
For if he were not expecting the fallen to rise again, it would have been superfluous and foolish to pray for the dead. But if he did this with a view to the splendid reward that awaits those who have gone to rest in godliness, it was a holy and pious thought. Thus he made atonement for the dead that they might be absolved from sin. So that, that belief, that idea, uh, like what do we think that praying for the dead does? You know, if the people who die are already either in hell or in heaven, praying for them does them no good, you know? So the, uh, the practice of praying for the dead implies that this idea of something like purgatory. Uh, I won't recite you the story for lack of time, but if you want to read a great, uh, very early Christian story about this, read the account of Saint Perpetua, early Christian martyr, and how she prayed for her younger brother and, uh, and saw in a vision how he was released from purgatory. So praying for the dead, this is one reason, this universal intuition that we have to pray for the dead is one reason that we believe in purgatory. The second reason is because of first-hand experience. Uh, there have been throughout the centuries lots of people who have either had visions of purgatory, like St. Catherine of Genoa, or who have actually uh, encountered purgatorial uh, souls. In fact, uh, St. Pio, Padre Pio, was known for conversing with people from purgatory. Uh, Father Jim and I have actually been uh, doing some research, and there's actually a museum over in, in Italy somewhere of uh, all these accounts of purgatorial apparitions and even like artifacts from the visits by these souls. I'll just tell you one ghost story now, just one. Uh, so this is a very uh, old one that's recounted in the writings of Saint Gregory the Great, Pope Gregory the Great, and he talks about this priest that he knew personally who would go to the Roman bath. And uh, there was a porter there, a servant there, who was always very helpful and solicitous for him uh, as he was getting ready to dip, take a dip in the Roman bath, right? So one day he decided, I'm going to bring this guy a gift to thank him for all that he does for me. So he brought him a loaf of bread. Well, this guy says to him, well, thank you, but I actually can't eat this bread because I'm not alive. I'm a soul in purgatory. But he said to this priest, Instead, take this bread back and offer it at Mass as the Eucharist for me. And the priest did that, and he never saw that guy again. So there are lots of stories like this throughout history, first-hand accounts of people who've experienced uh, visits from souls in purgatory. That's another reason that we believe in purgatory. But the third and the most important reason that we believe in purgatory is because the teachings of Jesus and the apostles in the New Testament imply purgatory. So we could cite lots of passages. Let me just cite you these three. First of all, St. Matthew's Gospel, Jesus is talking about uh, the sin, the unforgivable sin here, right? And he says, whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. Now, that implies, of course, that there are other sins besides the sin against the Holy Spirit which can be forgiven in the age to come. Well, if you can forgive sins in the age to come, that is, after death, you must be talking about purgatory. Again, in St. Luke's Gospel, Jesus is talking about settling your uh, disagreements or your or, uh, things that lie between you and your neighbor, and he uses the analogy of being taken before 
the judge. Now, we can reasonably assume that when Jesus tells a story like that, he's teaching us something about our judgment. Uh, And so this is what Jesus says. If you are to go with your opponent before a magistrate, make an effort to settle the matter on the way. Otherwise, your opponent will turn you over to the judge, and the judge will hand you over to the constable, and the constable will throw you into prison. I say to you, you will not be released until you have paid the last penny. Now, what is this prison from which we won't be released until we have paid the last penny? It can't be hell, because nobody gets out of hell. So it must be purgatory. St. Paul uh, is the last one here, and he uh, says it very well. Uh, He's talking about how he has laid uh, the foundation of Christ in the believer's life. But then everybody has to build upon that foundation. And this is what he says now, 1 Corinthians. He says, no one can lay a foundation other than the one that is there, Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, the work of each will come to, light, come to light, for the day, by which he means obviously the day of judgment, will disclose it. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each one's work. If the work stands that someone built upon the foundation, that person will receive a wage. But if someone's work is burned up, that one will suffer loss. The person will be saved, but only as through fire. So you see very clearly this idea that St. Paul has that our work and indeed our very selves will be tested by a kind of fire and that even if we have not done everything well, we can still be saved, but only as through fire. Again, this is uh, an idea that we now would call purgatory. So those are really the reasons that we believe in purgatory, because of Jesus and the apostles' teaching, firsthand experience, and the practice of praying for the dead. So that brings us to what is it like? What is it like in purgatory for the souls? There's kind of two uh, big things that we should be aware of about purgatory. First of all, it is incredibly painful. You know, we know that from the, the saints and other people who have uh, had visions of purgatory. The, uh, the worst sufferings here on earth are as nothing compared to the terrible pain of purgatory. But to understand that pain properly, we, we need to know two things. First of all, this is not uh, pain caused by the wrath of God as it is in hell, right? Rather, this is uh, a pain that is medicinal. So, I mean, if you are in the hospital, you can probably assume that you're in pain. But that's not because, you know, the doctors or nurses have it out for you. It's because they're trying to heal you. Well, it's the same thing in purgatory. Purgatory is really a place of God's mercy. And uh, so uh, there is no fear or torment or anything like that in purgatory the way there would be in hell. Because, and this is the, uh, the other thing that helps us put the pain in perspective, We are told by the same saints who have seen purgatory that the souls in purgatory would not trade those terrible, terrible pains for the greatest joys and the greatest pleasures on this earth. Because it is by these pains that they are growing each moment closer and closer to God, closer and closer to heaven. They treasure that purification. So, yes, 
purgatory is very painful, but it is not a bad kind of pain. It is a healing kind of pain. The other thing that we want to, uh, that makes purgatory distinct, you could say, is the souls in purgatory are purely passive in the way that they receive God's grace. So you and I, we can receive God's grace by doing good deeds, saying prayers, cooperating with God, and God gives us additional graces. Not the souls in purgatory. They can no longer do anything for themselves. They simply have to wait on God. They are at the, the mercy of God, and at our mercy, right? We, by praying for them, can give them extra graces that they wouldn't otherwise have. And so they are very much at the mercy of God or ourselves. This is why we refer to them as the poor souls. They are like beggars. So that is what it is really like for the souls in purgatory. Which brings us to our final question. What, uh, what should our belief in purgatory have to do then with our daily life? Well, I think first of all, of course, it should uh, encourage us to try and avoid purgatory at all costs. Purgatory is not like a real pleasant place to be. Uh, even though you know, we're grateful for God's mercy, we should try hard. We should try hard in this life to live uh, without sin, to repent from our sins, to do penance for our sins. Because, you know, the penance we do here is, is far more valuable than the penance that we have to do in purgatory when we no longer have a choice about it. You know, Father Comer always used to say, uh, shoot for heaven. That way, if you miss, you'll end up in purgatory. Because if you shoot for purgatory and you miss, then you're really in trouble, right? Uh, so we want, to, we want to use the opportunity we have now to do penance for our sins, to get indulgences, to cooperate with God's grace. The second obvious thing that we should do uh, here and now because of our belief in purgatory is to pray for the souls in purgatory, right? We want Uncle Harry and all the rest of them up there to be in heaven, to be saints, so that they can be praying for us too. And so that's why every day we should pray for the souls in purgatory. So many uh, Catholics have the habit of praying even like at meals and, uh, every day for the souls in purgatory. Such an important thing to do. You know, coming up uh, from November 1st through November 8th, we have the opportunity to gain a special plenary indulgence for the souls in purgatory. And indeed, although typically uh, indulgences can, are only for ourselves, we can always give our indulgences to the dead, to the souls in purgatory. So we should take seriously our duty to pray for the souls in purgatory because they don't have anyone else and uh, they can't do anything for themselves. So that's what I basically wanted to cover about purgatory. Any quick questions uh, that you had about purgatory? It's always a fun topic, especially with Halloween coming up, but... All right. Well, I'll just mention uh, one common objection that uh, you'll often hear from Protestants about purgatory is this whole idea of suffering for your sins or uh, gaining merits for your prayers. Doesn't that uh, contradict the idea that Jesus died? for our sins, pay the price of our redemption. Well, uh, the easiest way to explain that is, think about an adoption. Can a child do anything to, like, merit being adopted by a family? No, it's a pure gift for that family to adopt a child. But once they belong to the child, can they do chores and, and cut the grass and, in other ways, earn some credit, you know, kind of within the family structure? Of course. And that's the way it is for us, too. Can we earn salvation? No. 
that's a pure gift of Jesus Christ. But once we're part of Christ's family, Jesus speaks of the reward that we will receive. And so that's all we mean when we talk about the necessity to do penance for our sins or to uh, gain merit by our good works. So thank you for your attention, and let us close by praying for the souls in purgatory. Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon them. May all the souls of the faithful departed, through the mercy of God, rest in peace. Amen.